Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of antiandrogens from the reproductive section on MedBullets.com. Let's get into the episode. Let's start with the drug finasteride. We'll discuss its mechanism of action and its indications. The mechanism is that it's a 5-alpha reductase inhibitor which decreases the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. The indications of finasteride are BPH, or benign prostatic hyperplasia, and male pattern baldness. Note that both hair loss and prostate hyperplasia are DHT, or dihydrotestosterone-driven processes. The next antiandrogen is flutamide. Flutamide's mechanism of action is that it's a testosterone receptor blocker, and its main indication is prostate carcinoma. And the next antiandrogen that we'll discuss today is ketoconazole. Ketoconazole's main mechanism of action is that it's a steroid synthesis inhibitor, and it does this by inhibiting an enzyme called desmolase. Note that you have to use ketoconazole at higher doses than you would as an antifungal in order to have this antiandrogenic effect. Ketoconazole's main indications are PCOS, or polycystic ovarian syndrome, and androgen receptor positive prostate cancer. Note that for PCOS, this drug is specifically used for the symptoms of hirsutism. Ketoconazole's main toxicity findings are gynecomastia and amenorrhea. And the last antiandrogen drug that we'll discuss today is spironolactone. The mechanism of spironolactone is that it inhibits steroid binding. The indications are PCOS and the use as a potassium-sparing diuretic. Note that for PCOS, this drug specifically is used for the symptoms of hirsutism. In terms of its toxicity findings, spironolactone mainly causes gynecomastia and amenorrhea. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 21-year-old African-American female presents to her primary care physician reporting a history of excess hair growth. She has to shave her face and chest on a regular basis. She is sexually active and uses condoms for protection. Her last period was two months ago, and she reports having five to six menstrual periods per year at irregular intervals. She has no past medical history and takes no medications. She drinks socially and does not smoke. Her family history is notable for heart disease in her father and endometrial cancer in her mother. Her temperature is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 125 over 85 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 95 per minute, and respirations are 16 per minute. The physician considers starting the patient on a medication that is also indicated in the treatment of histoplasmosis. This medication primarily acts by inhibiting which of the following proteins? 1 squalene epoxidase, 2, 1720-lyase, 3, aromatase, 4, 5-alpha-reductase, or 5, 1,3-beta-glucan synthase. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 2, 1720-lyase. This patient presents with hirsutism secondary to polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Ketoconazole is an antifungal medication that has antiandrogen effects via 1720 lyase inhibition.
Remember, ketoconazole acts as an antifungal medication via inhibition of fungal synthesis of ergosterol, which is a component of fungal cell membranes. At higher doses, ketoconazole also has antiandrogenic properties and can be used to treat hirsutism due to PCOS and androgen receptor positive prostate cancer. The antiandrogen effects of ketoconazole stem from the inhibition of 1720 lyase, also known as 1720 desmolase, an enzyme that is involved in adrenal androgen synthesis. Okay, now let's go over the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, squalene epoxidase, is a fungal enzyme that contributes to ergosterol synthesis. Terbinafin is an antifungal medication that inhibits squalene epoxidase. It does not have antiandrogenic properties. Answer choice 3, aromatase, is an enzyme that converts androgens to estrogens. Specifically, it catalyzes androstenedione to estrone and testosterone to estradiol. Aromatase inhibitors such as anastrozole will decrease estrogen production and are used in patients with estrogen receptor positive breast cancer. Answer choice 4, 5-alpha reductase is an enzyme that converts testosterone to dihydrotestosterone or DHT. Finasteride inhibits 5-alpha reductase and is used to treat benign prostatic hyperplasia and male pattern baldness, both of which are driven by DHT. And finally, answer choice 5, 1,3-beta-glucan synthase is a fungal protein that produces beta-glycan, a component of fungal cell walls. Echinocandins are a group of antifungal medications, for example caspofungin, that inhibit 1,3-beta-glucan synthase. These medications do not have antiandrogenic properties. In summary, ketoconazole exhibits antiandrogenic properties by blocking 1720 lyase, an enzyme in the adrenal androgen synthesis pathway. Next question. A 19-year-old South Asian male presents to the family physician concerned that he is beginning to go bald. He is especially troubled because his father and grandfather went completely bald by the age of 25 and he is willing to try anything to prevent his hair loss. The family physician prescribes a medication that prevents the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. Which of the following enzymes is inhibited by this medication? 1. Desmolase 2. Aromatase 3. 5-alpha reductase 4. CGMP phosphodiesterase or 5. Cyclooxygenase 2 And the correct answer choice is answer choice 3, 5-alpha reductase. The patient is concerned that he may be going bald, therefore the physician prescribes finasteride, which inhibits the enzyme 5-alpha reductase. Remember, finasteride is a 5-alpha reductase inhibitor that decreases the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone, or DHT, in peripheral tissues. DHT is involved in the development of male external genitalia and in prostate enlargement. Additionally, elevated levels of DHT and 5-alpha reductase are found in androgenetic alopecia. Therefore, finasteride is useful in treating benign prostatic hyperplasia and androgenetic alopecia. Let's now review two citations that are related to this topic. 
the first citation by Scow et al. review the treatment for male pattern baldness. The first possible treatment is an over-the-counter topical agent called minoxidil. The second is a prescription medication called finasteride. Effectiveness differs for each individual, but both can maintain the hair that has not been lost. These medications are best at treating hair loss at the vertex of the scalp, whereas hair loss at the anterior scalp or hairline do not respond as well. The second citation by Mounsey and Reed discuss various causes of hair loss, in particular female pattern hair loss. They state approximately 50% of women will experience some type of hair loss during their lifetime. It typically presents as hair thinning over the vertex of the scalp sparing the frontal hairline. The only FDA-approved treatment for female hair loss is minoxidil 2%. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Examples of inhibitors for each of the incorrect answers are given. None are used clinically to treat male pattern baldness. Answer choice 1, ketoconazole, is both an antifungal at a lower dose and an antiandrogen at a higher dose and functions by inhibiting desmolase. Answer choice 2, anastrozole, is an aromatase inhibitor that decreases estrogen levels by preventing the peripheral conversion of testosterone. It is used to treat breast cancer. Answer choice 4, sildenafil, is a CGMP phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitor that prevents the degradation and increases the concentration of CGMP. It is used to treat erectile dysfunction and pulmonary hypertension. And finally, answer choice 5, celecoxib, is a selective cyclooxygenase 2 inhibitor used to treat pain. Third question. A 75-year-old male is diagnosed with advanced metastatic prostate cancer. After further evaluation and staging, the patient is started on flutamide therapy. Addition of which of the following medications to this patient's medication regimen would be of greatest benefit in the treatment of this patient's condition? 1. Luprolide 2. Anastrozole 3. Clomiphene 4. Tamoxifen, or 5, Cyproterone. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 1, Luprolide. Flutamide is a non-steroidal antiandrogen that acts as a competitive inhibitor at testosterone receptors. It is used in combination with a GnRH analog such as Luprolide in the treatment of advanced prostate cancer. It is given in a continuous manner as to act as an antagonist. Remember, the inhibitory effect of flutamide on the tumor's testosterone receptors is beneficial to halt the progression of prostate cancer. However, there is also an unwanted increase in systemic testosterone levels seen with flutamide monotherapy due to reduced negative feedback at the level of the pituitary. The addition of luprolide counters this unwanted increase in testosterone levels by decreasing the release of LH and FSH from the anterior pituitary, thereby reducing androgen production. Combination of flutamide and luprolide therapy has side effects associated with reduced androgen levels, including hot flashes, gynecomastia, and impotence. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 2 anastrozole, is an aromatase inhibitor that prevents peripheral conversion of androgens to estrogens. 
Its primary use is an estrogen receptor positive breast cancer in postmenopausal women. Answer choice 3. Clomiphene has been demonstrated to increase testosterone levels. This would oppose the competitive inhibition effect of flutamide and potentially lead to an undesired stimulation of prostate cancer cells. Answer choice 4. Tamoxifen is a selective estrogen receptor modulator, or a SERM, and is primarily used in the treatment of estrogen receptor positive breast cancer. And finally, answer choice 5, cyproterone, is an antiandrogen that works by the same mechanism as flutamide. Therefore, addition of this agent would not be expected to yield as much benefit as incorporation of a complementary therapy such as a GnRH agonist. And that's all for this review about antiandrogens. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullet Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 1 podcast.